They had eaten the Passover lamb. They had drank wine. And if you've had any experience with some form of wine, you know that sometimes wine will make you drowsy. They had, they had been up all day, and, and now they're fixing to be up all night. And the Lord had wanted to go to the garden, a very familiar familiar place. And uh, they got into the garden. And the Scripture says that he separated himself from the from the, the, the main group and his three closest friends went a little bit further. And even then he, he, he left them there and went just a little bit further to a solitary place. And he broke through. He, he broke something in his soul that said, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Two things happened. The Lord surrendered his will in that garden experience. But you know what else happened? The di- disciples were separated from their Lord. They, far, they, they had an opportunity to wait with the Lord. They had an opportunity to spend time with God in a solitary place. They were tired. They were full of food and wine. And they just didn't have any... Any inclination to pray. They didn't have any inclination to be spiritual. The Scripture points out that they were carnal men because they, were, they, were, they, they weren't really wanting to be where they were. They were carnal because when the guards came, they, they, they reached for their weapons, and it wasn't the spiritual weapons. It were physical weapons. They, they wanted to pull their swords. They were carnal because the, the Scripture says that they were afraid. They didn't have any opportunity to to prepare themselves. You see, their garden experience was shattered. My point tonight is that it's late tonight. You've had a long day. You've had a lot of experiences in life. You've experienced some troubles today. Your Lord is here. You can, you, can, you, can, you can be a part of the, 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 the garden experience tonight. You can, you can let the Spirit of God speak to you tonight. Or like those disciples, we can be carnal and just say, this is another Wednesday night experience. Is there an apostolic in the house tonight? Can somebody tonight give the Lord a hand? Is there somebody tonight that has just a little bit more faith to get through the day? Is there somebody tonight who's still willing to call upon the Lord, to reach beyond their tiredness, to reach beyond the struggles of the day and say, Yes, Lord, I'm willing to reach just a little bit further than where I'm at right now so I can be a part of what you have for me tonight. You don't have to be separated from God tonight just because you're tired. I worked myself today. I, I, I know what it is. I, I'm not willing to give up, though. I'm not willing just because I'm standing behind this pulpit. I like what Brother Hill said. I'm willing to press past the times where it's, it's shaking me. I'm, I'm willing to pass the, through the time that it's taken to, 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 to reach into something deeper. God doesn't want shallow men and women of God. God doesn't want shallow people. God doesn't want carnal Christians. 
He wants them to reach deeper into that garden experience and have a relationship with Him. That's what I want for you. And that's what I want for me. If you have your Bibles tonight, I want to read out of 1 Corinthians 7. Starting at verse 29. I promise you I'm not going to keep you late tonight. I will try my best not to keep you late tonight. I give honor to my pastor great man of God, and I give honor unto Pastor Hill for asking me to preach tonight. I respect Brother Hill. I have spent time with him in prayer. I've spent time with him in the Word of God. I've spent time with him at play. I've spent time with him camping. I've spent time with him when he's been down. I've spent time with him when he's been excited. And I can tell you that he has a love for God. And I, I count him as my friend. And I want to give honor to one more person tonight. And that is my wife. I want her to know that I love her. And I appreciate her support and her encouragement. 1 Corinthians 7, verses 29 through 31. With this I say, brethren... The time is short. It remaineth that both they that have wives as be as though they that have none. And though they that weep as though they weep not. They that high are rejoice as though they rejoice not. They that buy as though they possessed not. And they that use this world as not abusing it, for the fashion of this world passes away. With the help of the Lord, I want to talk to you tonight about this subject. Time is short. Bow your heads, please. In the name of Jesus Christ, I ask, Lord, your blessings upon this time together. I ask, Lord, that you would bless this, time, this message, Lord. I ask that you would touch this congregation. I ask that your spirit would move, Lord, even at this late hour. I ask that you would stir the hearts of men, Lord. I pray that you would stir the hearts of every man, woman, and that is in this place, God. Let us not become weary in well-doing, for we shall weep if, uh, reap if we faint not. Lord, I ask that you would help us to reap from your spirit tonight. I ask your blessings in the name of Jesus. Give the Lord a hand clap, please. You may be seated. Time is short. It seems like when you're young, time just seems to drag on. I, I, I come across this scripture in, in the process of studying for next week, and it really stuck out to me, this, this, this idea of how short time really is. It's amazing that the scripture is where it's at. We look at this, this selection of scripture, and it's almost like, at first I thought, well, well, well Paul had a moment of inspiration. Or then I started to think that, as he was writing the first book of 1 Corinthians, it was more out of a, a, a point of frustration. Here he was in the first couple of chapters, he's dealing with brother suing brother. He's writing to a church that had just begun, and he was writing to a church that really didn't know much of anything, and he was trying to establish some guidelines for the church to learn what, what's proper and what's not proper within the church. You look at uh, chapter 6 and he's dealing with other things. You look at chapter 9 and, and 10 and he's dealing with the works of the Spirit and, 
And he's just doing so many different things. But in the middle of verse 7, when he's talking about being married or unmarried, there's this moment that he just stops and he says to himself, time is short. Now, if you look at verse first, first, verse 31, it says this, They that use this world as not abusing it for the fashion of this world passes, passes away. Now, that word fashion, to see, that, that caught my eye. What's it mean by the word fashion? It's a, there's a Greek word there that says, it's, it means shama, or S-C-H-E-M-A. And what it means is, is it's a, the, 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 uh, the, the world is, is just a fleeting or a theatrical stage. It was a time when so many generations had already passed away. Sometimes we don't consider how many generations of time have passed away. And they have all these troubles and all these concerns. God had reached for so many times for His people. And every generation kept saying, yes, Lord, or no, Lord, or, or the kings would sin, or they wouldn't sin, or the kings would offer up idols, and, or offer things up to idols, and... So there was these generations that kept passing away, and now this generation was here, and Paul was trying to, to help these churches get established into, to, into growth, and he was trying to lay some foundations, and he just stops and he says, time is short. He realized that the fashion of this world at his time was passing away. How often do we think that we have so much time? How often do we think that there's always a tomorrow? How often do we think that there will always be another day that I can do this or I can do that? I have to go to work tomorrow. I have to go to the store. I have to work, go pay a bill tomorrow. I have to work on my car. I have to go here. I have to go there. There's so much entertainment. Let's go get a red box. Let's go, get, let's go someplace to, to the mall. Let's go someplace and do something. There's always something going on because that's the fashion of this world. But you see, just like the Scripture said in 1 Corinthians 7, this world is going to pass away. The fashions of this world are going to pass away. We, we're not going to be, this world is not the same way it was when I was in my 20s. This world is not the same way when I was in my teens. I used to remember as a teenager, I used to wear bell bottoms. Now both ends are flared. <coughs> What a, prof- what, a, what, a, what a wonderful thing to understand that time is still progressing. The Bible says that if it wasn't for the very elect's sake, if the days were not shortened, all would be lost. You know, God is shortening the time in our lives, and, and now is not the time to give up. Now is not the time to give in. We spend so much time every day with everyday tasks. We drive through the fast food, and if we don't get it within five minutes, we're, we're saying... What's going on in there? Are they just messing around? Where's my food? We're so impatient. Our job requires us to spend so much time. We become workaholics. Our boss expects us to spend 20, 40, 60, 80 hours on a job. You know, whatever your job may be. My wife spends many hours going to work. She'll spend 12, 10, 12 hours a day at work. And sometimes longer depending on what the need is. We're in such a rush that we, we no longer have time to sit down at a meal. We no longer take the time to prepare our meals anymore. And not anymore we take a, the, the, the box of uh, uh, instant mashed potatoes out and we, we throw it in some water, we add some gravy, and we put a piece of meat in there and we call it a Manhattan. And it's nasty. Time is so short. 
Sometimes we measure time by the amount of gray hair we have. Sometimes we measure time by the amount of hair we don't have. We measure time by the way our lives have changed from, from our youth to our old age. We measure time by the way that whether we can just jump right up or our knees crack and we rise a little bit slower. One of the worst things that a, an adult says to a child is when I was your age. I hated that. But it's a measure of time. We look at his age and we... I, I can't tell you the number of times when our children were very young. People would say, enjoy that time because they'll grow up very quickly. And they surely have. We measure another way of our time is in the way our culture has changed. We are no longer doing the things that are moral and just. But now everything is acceptable under the sun. Just recently this week in California, they struck down the, the uh, marriage act. It's called the... Uh, 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 the, the Domestic Partner Act, or whatever, I can't remember exactly the, the acronym for it, but uh, the, the marriage between one man and one woman, it was voted by the people to be a law, and a, and a judicial court said no, it's unconstitutional that a man and a wife should be considered as married. We live in changing times. It's no longer acceptable to, to say that pornography is wrong. There was a judge this week that struck, caused a library to have to let children look at pornography on the Internet, saying that if they restricted pornography in the public libraries, then we're restricting free speech, and that's not allowed. Everything seems to be acceptable in our society. We have a president that says now that we have to force the church to provide contraceptives and all kinds of, uh, uh, of things that deal in that area of life going against their moral choices. Government is forcing its way into the church and there doesn't seem to be any way to stop that, that, that march. And yet if you go out there and you try to hand out a tract, they say, well, we can't have that happen because there's a separation of church and state. Yeah, yeah. Our society is changing. It's no longer immoral or a moral failure when you catch a, 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 an STD. It's called something like it's a congenital birthright. I was born this way. I can't help the way I look. I can't help the way I dress. Well, that for me is true. But you know, it's, uh, it seems to be a, a, a called a birthright when you turn, when you, when you turn gay. It's, it's just a, an alternative lifestyle. It's, it's whatever you want to put it. I can't help it the way that I am. This is the way I was. Time is so, so short. We measure time by the number of places we wish, wish to go and yet have, yet have not yet got there. We measure time by the way we are able to increase our wages from the time that we were 16 or 17 until we're in our 30s and 40s and 50s and we're making a decent living. We measure time by being able to perform certain tasks before we get too old. It was always been my dream, always been my wish to be able to jump out of an airplane and parachute. It ain't going to happen. <laughs> but time is so short. We measure time by the way music changes. We measure time by the way dresses change. We measure time by the way fads come and go. We measure time by the changes in different governments. Yet there seems to be a time that stands still 
when, when, when we go through our own family crisis and our own personal troubles. Time seems to stand still when we lose one of our closest friends to an illness or an accident or some kind of end to a close relationship. Time seems that our, our, we see our time change through our thoughts. We see our times change as, our, as we get older and our politics ten, tend to solidify. We see time change because our particular tastes form and, and, and we either like Brussels sprouts or we don't. Our ways of living hopefully become better with time. Time is always short. We always hope that there will always be a time for our friends. But somehow time sees friends come close and some friends go, become distant. We see our friends, hopefully in times that we are in trouble. We see time, uh, how it affects our, our friends in, with illness and old age. And then they die. Time is so short. In Psalms 90 and verse 10 it says, The days of our years are threescore years and ten. And if yet by reason of strength they will be fourscore years. Yet is their strength, labor, and sorrow, for soon it is cut off, and we fly away. This world and its fashion, just like our lives, are passing. Time is passing. But one thing never changes. It's my love, or God's love for us. Time doesn't change God's love for you and me. It doesn't seem that, you know, there are times when when we feel so distant from God. There are times when we feel so close to God. There are times when it seems like when we pray that the heavens are brass. But I want to tell you tonight, God is always near. Whatever happened to the great philosophers of our time? Where have they gone? Whatever happened to the wise men of old? And the scientists of days gone by. If you think time is so lasting, tell me, please tell me, what happened to the cultures of the Romans or the Medes or the Persians? Where is the great edifices still standing of the Greeks? What happens with time is that it all passes. Time is so short. Time swallows up generation after generations. And to what cause or to what event does a generation fall? It seems like we are on a preposition of time right now. Will America stay the same or will it change? Only God knows. Mao Zedong is dead. Leonard Brezhnev is dead. Stalin is dead. Saddam Hussein is dead. Castro is full of cancer. And Hugo Chavez is dying of cancer. But I want to tell you tonight, I want to tell you about somebody who was dead, but he rose again. And his name is Jesus Christ. My God is still alive. There is no time with God. He sees all time. He is the maker of time. With God, He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There are many kingdoms and many dynasties that have risen with the march of time. 
And yet they have passed away on the scenes of men's lives. But my Jesus will never pass away. There is a need and a cry tonight for men to know that no matter what happens in this society, no matter what changes in our, our lives, no matter what passes in our, in our, 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 for our time, I want you to know tonight time is short. And there's coming a night when no man's going to work. There's coming a night when no man's going to be able to call upon the Lord. There's coming a night when God's going to come and take His church away. And God's going to reach for men and women right now if we'll just let Him speak to our hearts. God is willing to touch men and women tonight. Whoever has a need tonight, God can meet it. All you have to do is let this, this time come and, and God speak to your heart. See, men have tried to stop, stomp out this Bible message. Men have tried to destroy this message. They've tried to destroy this Word. They've, 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 they've taken the Bible and they've burned it. They've tore it up. They've tried to imply or impress their own, their own doctrines and their own dogmas. They've tried to pervert this Gospel message. And it has not worked. This Gospel message is going to last forever. This Gospel message is going to stand when everything else fails. We can believe in the Word of God. We can trust the Word of God. God is willing to reach out to whoever, so whosoever will, if we'll just give Him that chance tonight. Time is so short. What are you waiting for? Why do we wait until the trauma of life kind of brings us to our knees before we call upon the Lord? Why do we wait to an illness? Why do we wait to a tragedy before we'll come to an altar and say, God, help me? Why don't we come before those times of tragedy come and seek the Lord while there's still an opportunity, while there's still a time? Because time is not always going to be at our advantage. Men don't want to hear tonight that they're sinners. Men don't want to hear tonight that they may be going to hell. Who wants to go to hell? Nobody that I know of. But somebody's going there. Men don't want to live holy today. They hold judgments of... They don't want to hear about the damnation that's coming or the judgments of damnation coming against those who sin against the, 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 the Word of God. Our congressmen and our congresswomen are forcing their perversions upon us. They're, they're not allowing us to teach our Bibles or, or teach the Word of God in school. They're not allowing prayer in school. They're not allowing us to speak about things that, uh, that are, are godly upon our jobs. They pervert. They send perversions into our homes through our TVs. And then there's, a, there, there's these things that are that's called the Internet that just seems to pollute the the house uh, uh, where, where we live. There is so much that is coming into our lives that are just perverting our, 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 trying to blind our lives and blind our hearts because they don't want us to love God. They don't want us to serve God. They, they want to stomp out this gospel message. You see, but in John 3.16, it says, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. God's love for you and me is not a perverted love. God's word, love for you and me is not a polluted love. God's word, God's love for you and me is not a worldly love. But His love is a holy love. His love is a pure love. It's a love of so much that he, he, he sacrificed the only thing that was most precious to Him. And that was His only Son. God's love reaches beyond your understanding and mine. God's love looks beyond your faults. 
He don't care the problems you have. God's love says, I don't care. I see your sin. I see what's going on in your life. I see what you haven't gotten given up to me yet. I still forgive you. I still love you. Just bring it to me. I'll take care of it. You don't have to hold on to that thing. You don't have to hold on to that sin. You don't have to hold on to that perversion. You don't have to hold on to that habit. God can deliver you. I walk this world. My lips have tasted alcohol. My lungs have been filled with tobacco. I've had drugs in my system. But God delivered me, and He can still deliver today for you whatever problem you have. It's a love that doesn't see whether you're black or white or Asian. It doesn't see a color of skin. My God is colorblind. My God doesn't see whether you're rich or poor. He doesn't care about the, 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 the things that you possess. His love goes beyond money. God loves, loves looks past all the little things that we try to put up before Him. God looks past all the little things that we say, this is what I am. He just says, come to me. Come to me. I'll still love you. God loves, sees every pain that you carry. God knows every hurt upon your heart. And he still loves God sees every sin that you committed. You can't hide it. God sees your heart. What are you trying to hide anyway? Just give it to God. God sees and hears every hurtful thing and every dark thing that was done to you. He reaches out his arms. He reaches out his arms and he says, I love you. Come. Yet we walk out of our doors and we walk out of our houses and we walk away from things and we don't let God touch us. And we say, God, I'll, I'll give it to you tomorrow. But you see, time is short. Time is so short. I don't know why we hold on as humans. We, we, we hold on to our, all, all our little games and we hold on all to, to all our little, little habits that we have just thinking that nobody will ever know. My Bible says that your sins will find you out. God's love goes beyond time. He doesn't care about your sin as much as He wants you to lay it at an altar so He can wipe it away. You can't hide from God. You, you, you can't hide yourself in your work and God not see you. You can't hide yourself in your, in your pleasures and God not see you. You can't hide yourself in the activities in the house of God and God not see you. You can't hide from God. God knows where you're at tonight. The Bible says that the greatest love is this. Greater love hath no man than this in John 15 and 13. Then a man lay down his life for his friends. 
Our God did that for us. Because He didn't want us to suffer hell. You see, the Bible says hell hath enlarged itself. It was only made for Satan and his angels. But because of man's sin, because of man's depravity, because of man's darkness, hell has enlarged itself so it can encompass all a man that has sinned against God. Yeah. See, love looks past all those, all those transgressions and he sees our, our need. This is the love that Jesus has for you and me. This was written by a woman by the name of Charlotte Elliott. She was an invalid all of her life. And many times in her weakened condition, she was it caused her great pain and hurt. She couldn't do what other people do. She, uh, she, she wanted to raise some money one time and help a church build a new church new uh, place of worship, and she didn't know how she could help because of her, her handicap. So one day she was sitting down and she penned these words, Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, that thou biddest me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. Just as I am, thou wilt receive Wilt welcome, pardon, cleanse, relieve, because I promise I believe, O Lamb of God, I come. You see that poem she wrote? She doesn't know. She sent it to her brother, I guess, and, and her brother published the poem. She didn't know it. And it became a widespread hit. In fact, it's still sung today in many churches. Just as I am. That's all God asks. He doesn't want all the things that we bring with us. He doesn't want our, 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 our ideas. He doesn't want our works. He doesn't want our money. He doesn't want our possessions. He just wants you, just as I am. He doesn't want you to give up your smoking. He doesn't want you to give up your drinking. He doesn't want you to give up any other bad habit before you come to Him, because you see, that's your righteousness, not His. He said, just as I am, just come. You see, time is so short. In Matthew 24, 37-39, it says this, But as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming, also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying, and given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And they knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. You see, we're in that time right now. We're in a time when men are after their own pleasures. Men don't care about what standards they hold. They don't care about the aged anymore. Let's just give them a pill and put them out of their misery, some have said. We stick them in our nursing homes. We stick them in little corners in our houses. We, we just neglect them and some just pass away. We spend time and money and energy chasing pleasures that are only for a moment. But because, because you see, time is so short. And those chances of pleasure only come once in a lifetime. 
But someday, someday, the Lord's trumpet's going to sound. You think you'll have a chance? No. Now is the time. Now is the time. Don't wait anymore. Whatever your need is tonight, God can meet it. Please stand. In Luke 10, 40 and 41, Jesus was at a table and he was visiting and spending time with his friends and Mary and Martha were there and Martha, it says, was cumbered about with much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Better, therefore, she help me. And she, Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. Ain't that the way we are today? We're so worried, so busy. We barely sometimes have time to come to church. We're busy doing things for our family. We're busy doing things for our jobs. We're busy doing things for our friends. We're busy doing things for ourselves. And off in a little corner is God saying, Come unto me. Give me a chance. Come. And yet we say, I'll wait. I'll do it Sunday. I'll do it Wednesday. I'll do it Sunday night. But not now, Lord. I got something else I got to do. Are you careful? Are you troubled? Are you hurting tonight? Won't you come? Do you have a need tonight that just needs to be met? Tonight it can be met. Don't have a garden experience tonight. Don't let this night pass before your Lord is taken away. Don't let this night pass before, you have a, before God is done with His service and He's done dealing with people's hearts. Won't you come? Won't you allow God to speak to you? Won't you give God a chance? Or are you just too busy worrying about your tomorrow and all the things that it contains? I'm sure your tomorrow is just as busy as it was today. And your yesterday was just as busy as it was the day before. You see, that's called life. We live life. But sometimes in living life, we live without our Lord. We're too busy for Him. But you see, the Lamb of God is not always going to strive with men. The Scripture says that the Spirit of the Lord is not always going to strive with men, but He's going to take His Spirit from off the earth. The church is going to be gone, and there's not going to be another opportunity for you to, to cry out, to receive the salvation, to receive God. Now is the time. Whatever you need tonight, you can have it. Just come. God bless you. Hallelujah. With every eye closed, as Brother Davis was talking, I was thinking about sometimes uh, I'm so consumed with a, a thought, it's a personal thought to me that I lost my grandfather, which is probably the biggest influence in my life. And um, one of my biggest regrets is not spending more time with him. 
I often think about it. There's probably not a day, maybe four or five, six days a week that I think about it. It's one of my biggest regrets is not spending time with him, more time with him, and he passed away. As he was talking, I was thinking, there's going to be people that remembers Brother Davis's message about the time. And their biggest regret is they're going to say, I wish I would have went back. I wish I could go back and make things right. I wish I would have prayed when I could have. Makes me think about when the rapture takes place and there's going to be people that will show up at this church. They will show up at 5.30 to pray. And the church won't be here. The power of God will not be here. The presence of the Holy Spirit won't be here. They'll never feel love again. And their biggest regret is that they wish they would have taken the time to make things right. Folks, we don't have much time. We don't have... You know what? The Lord could come back in another hundred years, but you could walk out of this place tonight and not make it back. You could go to sleep tonight and never wake up in the morning. I, I, I don't like being one of those preachers that, that scare people into that. But I'm telling you right now that we are not promised our next breath. We are short in time. We are short in time. That's why we better pray like there's no tomorrow. That's why we better live for God like there's no tomorrow. We need to make sure that our salvation is sure. We need to make sure that our, our, our hearts are right with God more than anything. God, I want to be right with you because I know that my time is short. I don't want to, I, I don't want to uh, let this time go by to, to not open this altar. I don't, want to, I don't want to not take the time to open this altar tonight. I know, I, I, I know that, I, that, that we're running out of time, but that's okay. If you feel like you need to make things right before God, you need to come to this altar right now. Hallelujah. I come to Thee. I need Thee, oh, I need Thee. I love you, Jesus. you need him tonight how many of you know you need him I need let's sing that together oh I, I need thee My 
Hallelujah. Church, we need him tonight. Hallelujah. Let's lift up his name right now. Oh, I need thee. Oh, I need thee.